The following is a sermon from Pastor David Salinas of Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Trust. It now comes in a bottle. Did you know that? Several years ago, apparently, some chemist in a New York City lab concocted what they claimed was the perfect recipe for faith. In fact, they even called their magic potion liquid trust. And what they said is, after your shower in the morning, your morning shower, just take your index finger, take that little bottle, squirt a pump or two on or dab a little bit on your neck, and then within hours, anybody downwind of you will find you just irresistibly trustworthy. Pardon my French, but all de confiance, trust water just smells fishy especially at 50 bucks a bottle. You and I know, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out, that real faith, and especially the confidence of believing in Jesus Christ as our one and only Savior, is so much more than assent. Confidence in Christ is much more than a pheromone or a hormone. It's a miracle. Well, I got good news for you, everybody. God is the one who loves to do miracles for us. He loves to perform miracles because he loves us more than anything else in the whole wide world. And now I want all of you to trust me on this. I want everyone here to trust me on this. Today, as we stand before Jesus and gawk in worship and in wonder, at the first of this amazing series of miracles that we will be looking at for the rest of our summer, of this, you can be sure that Jesus comes to perform the miracle for you that no New York City chemist ever could. He comes to give you faith. Yet again, he comes comes to increase your faith. He comes to waterproof your faith, to make it impermeable and unsinkable, and no matter how violently the storm rocks your boat, your faith will not ultimately capsize. You will make it home. You ready? Oh, we got to hurry, because the boat is about to leave the dock. Everybody open up your worship folders. Mark chapter 4. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we drown if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Shh, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, 
Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow! And you can say that backwards. Wow! Did you see the awesome miracle that Jesus performed? Did, did you see this stunning dominance over the natural? And I'm not even talking about him hushing the storm. We will get to that wondrous miracle of word over wind and wave in a moment. I'm talking about the disciples getting into the boat in the first place. Please put yourself in their sandals. They're, at this time, dry sandals. Jesus has just preached all day long, and he will so obviously be exhausted, as we will see later on, with a Savior snoring in the storm. But the disciples couldn't have been far behind. But it was more than just fatigue. Do you know that in 1986, they discovered bones from an ancient boat, and the carbon dating, they dated it back to about 100 BC to 100 AD, smack dab right in the middle of Jesus' time. And this boat was about 26 feet long. Pastor Tim, how long is our sanctuary from end to end here? 50 feet? 50 feet? So maybe to the art projects over here, a little bit over halfway. And at its widest point, the boat was seven feet wide. We've got about 18 feet here total. So you guys right here are in this boat. It could fit about 15 people. Okay, so you have tired sailors, tiny boat, yeah? And then the very thing that these experienced fishermen and novice fishers of men knew about Lake Galilee. Galilee was kind of like a liquid Midwest. In the Midwest, that cold, dry air from Canada sweeps on down, and it collides with that warm, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico, and it creates Tornado Alley. Well, these men knew that, that the cold, dry air from the Golan Heights funneled through those gorges over the lake, and it met that hot, moist air from the lake, and it could turn Lake Galilee, this otherwise sweet, peaceful lake, into a cauldron of bubbling death. And it could do it in an instant, and especially at night. So let's do the math together, right? So we have tired sailors, a tiny ship, and the real possibility that a tremendous storm could get kicked up instantly. And when Jesus says the command, come, let's go over to the other side, there's no objection. There is just this weather defiance in the hearts of the disciples where they are weathering the storm that their reason is kicking up, and they're trusting him. And they are holding on to that promise that is inherent and embedded in the command to go over to the other side, the promise that they would, in fact, make it to the other side. And so into the boat they go, and off into the night they sail. And you know what? That same miracle is taking place right now and has been in you and in me. Jesus has said, come, sail away with me on this journey of life to the other side. But the instant he has said that, 
your own reason based on the experiences of your past life. You know that, that cold, dry air of the brokenness of life collides with that hot, moist air of the brokenness of your own sinful mind, and the storm in your reason starts to rage. Where has being in this boat gotten me so far? Nothing is impossible with God. Ha! More like nothing ever changes. Look at you. You're the same sinful you that you've been all along. And nothing much has changed for the better, no, mat no matter how much praying you've done or how much church going you have been accustomed to. And yet, as that storm rages, something inside of you says, okay, Lord, because you say so, I trust you. I take my life and I put it in you, your hands. And I will sail away with you. And here we are. And so we're sailing away with Jesus and with these disciples. And the disciples, they have Jesus on the boat with them. I love the way that, that Mark phrases it. They took Jesus just as he was, tired as he was, hungry as he was, but oh, he was with them on that boat. And good thing, because in no time at all, their worst well-founded fears come true. Just as they had anticipated, Galilee turns into this bubbling cauldron of death. And the waves start to break. And it's kind of like this sleeping giant has arisen over this, this lake. And the storm stretches and yawns as the, the clouds roll over the sky. And you can the only thing in the night sky that lights it up are those lightning flashes and then those peals of thunder. Crack! Boom! And the waves start breaking out over the boat, over the deck, and slamming onto that deck like a thick palm, swatting a mosquito. Splat! Splat! And the disciples are rocking, and they're trying to bail out the water as fast as they can, but they can't, no matter how much, how much skill they have and how much strength they have. The little they have left after an entire day of preaching, of being with Jesus as he's preaching, and they are exhausted, and they come to the point where they just can't anymore help. I'm sinking, and you and I, we have been there too, soaked to the bone. And a wave of bills slams onto our desk, and a wave of illness, and then that wave of anger and that wave of frustration and all of the things that you had anticipated, those things that you dread, some of them start washing over your deck, and then even things that you never saw coming. And there you are, trying to bail out the water, and the boat is rocking. And you come to that point where you just can't anymore. You're sinking. It's at this moment that I wish, I wish faith came in a bottle. <laughs> I wish I could take out, like, you know, from my medicine cabinet, that perfume that says, oh, de confiance, that fancy French term for trust water, slather a couple, dab a couple of drops on my neck or spray some and just believe, just, just believe. And I bet you the disciples felt that way too. Because 
The storm didn't just do the salutary thing of washing overboard all of those idols of self-reliance. You know, like everything that the disciples could rely on on themselves, their own trust, their own strength, and their own skill. But out went the baby with the bathwater too. Because those promises that Jesus made to them, they were out of their conscious mind. Remember, Jesus had promised them, let's go to the other side, which means we'll make it to the other side. Jesus had promised them, I want to make you fishers of men. You have got a lot of life left in you because you've got a big mission. Jesus himself had a mission. With all of those promises, it was impossible for them to die on that day, right? It would not have been possible for them to die and Jesus to keep those promises. But those promises were out the window. And the only thing that they could hold on to was all of the water that was washing onto the boat. And the only thing that they could feel was that they were going under. And so based on that incontrovertible evidence... The only thing that these men knew, they had every reason to believe that very soon they were going to be fish food. Well, you know, you know how when you, you like reach your hand on a hot stove and you instantly pull it away because there's that, there's that natural reflex that your body has where the signal doesn't even go from your hand all the way to your brain so that you have to think about it. It just goes to your spinal column so that you almost instantly pull it away. In their desperate moment, that faith that Jesus had implanted in them that enabled them to get into the boat in the first place, it reacted. And so these disciples in their desperate moment do what desperate people who are believers in Jesus do, almost without thinking they run to the Savior. Is that not so, Pastor Borman? But where is their God when they need him most? Are you kidding me? How can he sleep at a time like this? Well, yeah, he's that human, he's that tired and that exhausted, but there's something more, something that these desperate disciples just didn't quite grasp in that moment. If you notice what it says, Jesus is cuddled comfortably on a sopping wet cushion on the stern of the boat. He sleeps peacefully. Why? Because he keeps his promises. Because he will not let even one promise he has ever made fail. But in that moment, those disciples just don't see that, do they? John Newton, the man who composed that opening hymn that we sang, Amazing Grace, he once said this, I can sum up my deepest desires in one sentence. Lord, give me faith. And I say, amen, Lord, give me faith. Because one of the most important questions of life is always before us. Are you willing and are you ready to trust a sleeping Jesus? Are you ready and are you willing to trust a sleeping Jesus? See, for me, a Jesus who fights off sleep just so he can preach to crowds, I can trust. A Jesus who fights off sleep in, in this garden hours before he is rested and tried and is sweating as if drops of blood are falling to the ground and rebuking his disciples for taking a nap at the most inopportune time in Gethsemane, that Jesus I can trust. But a Jesus who is snoring in a storm... When a woman who more than anything in life just wants a baby and she prays and prays for years and comes to the moment 
Well, you know what? She actually wishes she had a miscarriage because then she could at least say, at least I got pregnant and had a baby and I will see my baby in heaven again someday maybe. When a young man fights and fights temptation and cries to the Lord, help me. Can't you see this is tearing me away from you? But continues to fall to the same temptation over and over again, no matter how much he wants to bail this thing out. When, when you're in that hamster wheel and you can't get off of that addiction, off of your dysfunction, and for the life of you, you can't escape your past, you can't escape you. And the wind that day does not cut as deep as the rebuke that Jesus' disciples and you and I give at that moment. Lord, don't you care that I'm drowning? Get up! What in the world is the matter with you? A God-man whose stomach churns. Remember from last week, Esplanitze, that churning belly of compassion, and, and preaches all day long to exhaustion. A God-man who will never let even the smallest, tiniest, most insignificant promise ever go by the wayside. That God-man can sleep through anything. But there is just one thing that wakes him up faster than a baby's midnight wails waking up an exhausted mom. There is just one thing that can rouse a savior and prop him up instantly, the doubt-filled screech. Don't you care? Oh, my child, do I care? But you're all I care about. I am your savior. That's what I do for a living. That's how I make my money. And I have not brought you this far to leave you and let you drown. Never. Never. And so this, this savior gets up and he does have some words of rebuke. Quiet. But, but it's not to the disciples. It's to the furious squall and getting into the gap. And I want you to imagine the moment. Guys, I want you to close your eyes and imagine the moment. Here he is on the stern and he gets up and the wind is just gluing his robe to his body and you can see his, his sinew, but that strong muscular body of a carpenter and his beard and his hair are flowing backward like, like a cape, like he was from the planet Krypton or something. You know, and, and all of a sudden, he turns to that storm and with fire in his eyes and with love in his heart for his own people and for their own weakness, accommodating himself to them, he turns to that storm and he says two things. He says, quiet and literally be muzzled. That's what he says, be muzzled. We might say, shut up, but he says, be muzzled, and instantly, like a great obedient dog, the storm heals at Jesus' feet and lies at the foot of its master still. 
And if you have been with Jesus on the boat long enough, and if you stay on the boat with Jesus long enough, you will all experience that very same power. And so, for us and our family in Yakima, several years ago, the financial storm hit. And we didn't have $20 to our name. And we had a pretty sizable debt that we we're paying off. We're still paying it off. And we had another child on the way. And you know that moment that, I mean, that, it's a moment where it's that, it's that moment in the storm where faith is wrestling with fear. And fear has just wrapped its arms around the, the waist of faith and is about to toss it overboard like a pro wrestler tosses a 98-pound weakling over the ring. Yeah? Help! I'm drowning. And then I get a text from the first person that I ever took through adult instruction class, Betty Bird. And she said in her text, Pastor, we have been richly blessed, and we just want to share our blessings with you because God has used you and your family in our life in a very powerful way. Could you send me your address? So I did. Three days later, a check for $1,000 is in my hand. Be muzzled, said Jesus, and the financial storm is healed and silent at his feet. For me. And at that moment, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like my heart heard, heard that gentle but loving rebuke that the disciples must have heard at that moment when they were on that still sea. But why were you ever so afraid? Have you still no faith? Yeah? But they must have, I heard it, and you've heard it, and like the disciples must have heard it at that moment, which is to say barely, because these men are, are dripping, and they're astonished. And they are in awe, and, and they are, you know what the Bible says? You know what, Mark? They're fearing a great fear. I mean, the English translation terrified is not that far, far off of it. And they're just gasping and wonder, what sleeping giant have we just aroused? What kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? But it's right there in this fear where they have just experienced a powerful rescue from, from Christ that confirms the ultimate rescue that he is about to accomplish where the Holy Spirit uses that moment to convince the human heart, you've got to trust this man. You've got to trust this man because he is your God and he is your Savior. And, and, and it's like that for you and for me. You've all, if I walk out of here, I'm sure you all have your own accounts of how Jesus kind of did powerful things in your life. But whether he's taken away a financial storm or a physical storm or, or not, we have all been on the experiencing end of the ultimate rescue. 
the ultimate display of a mighty miracle of Christ, where he is dripping wet with sweat and with blood from a cross, and he is letting wave after wave of his Father's own justice wash over his holy soul, soaking up into his body every drop of hell so that, you know how in California right now those fires are raging and the embers are flying all over the place and creating new fires? So that not even one ember from hell leaves his body and singes a hair on your head or on mine. And he stands alive in the midst of his disciples three days later and the Holy Spirit has used that mighty deliverance to say, you've got to trust this man. He is your God, and He is your Savior. Hey, I see something. There's the port. Someone give me a rope. Let's dock this thing. So you've just experienced the supernatural. This super miracle that is so natural to Jesus' desire to save and help you. He has just waterproofed your faith in him. Go now into your storms, and, and you can see those little, like, little droplets of water pooled over you because you are waterproof and safe and you're not going to sink. And you weather those storms with Christ. Weather them well. Until, until you float gently and sweetly and peacefully in the boat with him on that river that flows down the middle of the city of God with your good captain, your good captain who neither slumbers 